Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. And a happy Friday to you, sir. Happy Friday, end of the week. And a happy Friday to all the folks listening, joining us for Text Talk. Happy weekend. Hope that you have your Friday socks on. <laughs> Do- do you have Friday socks now? My friend, I've got Friday socks. And are you wearing them today? I am wearing them. How about that? Clearly labeled Friday. Clearly labeled. Well, how about that? That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to remember yeah. that, uh, yeah, you got like a, a holiday gift last year, right? I got a whole, yeah, a package of socks for every day of the week. And some days I do better than others. But you know what? It's Friday. It's tech stock. I'm wearing my Friday socks. Is it a good Friday? It's always a good Friday on Text Talk. Absolutely. We're going to find Jesus right here in Hebrews chapter 8. Absolutely. I'm going to begin in verse, excuse me, in verse 6 and read all the way through the end of the chapter. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So we have a contrast here between a new covenant and a first covenant. Yes. Previous covenant. Um, I guess one of the things I, I notice as we begin our conversation and reading is that um, there's a there's a, apparently a fault or some faults with that first covenant, and that's why there's coming a new covenant. Well, if the first covenant had been faultless, mm-hmm. if there if the first covenant had been perfect, had it been complete, had it been everything that we actually needed in a covenant, had it been everything that God needed to offer us in a covenant, then He would not have had to offer a second covenant. Yeah. But that's the point. He said there was fault. Fault. It says he finds fault with them. Mm. Now, my take on that is the them would be in reference to people and mm-hmm. those that were not keeping his word. Yes. Um, is that your reading too? Or could them be referring to some, some other plurality I'm not picking up on? It. No, that's how I've always read it. Finding fault with them. In fact, he goes on, and as he's quoting from Jeremiah 31, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. And then we get down to what we talked about yesterday, this yeah. better promise of forgiveness and the yeah. sins no longer being remembered. Well, that that's at the heart of the issue. And that is in that first covenant, Mm -hmm. they didn't keep the covenant. They broke the covenant. And while there were these sacrifices, those things didn't actually work to bring about true, real, complete forgiveness. 
So finding fault with the people because they would not keep the laws, because they continue to break the laws, and under that covenant there was not a real way to get atonement and forgiveness, he needed a new covenant with better promises, better sacrifices, better priests. All right, all right. Well, I one of the things that appears in this new covenant uh, prophecy uh, he says, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Mm-hmm. Now, that is uh, repetition from the first covenant. I yes. mean, that, that was what the first, the idea of the first covenant was. He's called them uh, and brought them, delivered them out of Egyptian bondage to be his people, to make them a mighty nation, and he would be their God. Um, and yet, what we see as uh, redemptive history unfolds and the Bible unfolds, uh, the people would not be his people. They wouldn't be true to him. They wouldn't be true to the covenant. Their their hearts are, are you know, uh, uh, carried away, you know, into idolatry and the ways of the Canaanites and so forth. And yet God doesn't give up. He's still looking to be the God and to have the people. In Exodus chapter 6, mm. God has called Moses to go deliver his people from Egypt. He gets there uh, as Moses. He gets the people around him. The people agree, go in, talk to Pharaoh. He goes and talks to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, ha. <laughs> You're going to try to get away? No, no. What yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to make everything harder. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going it, to, it's make just the burdens going to be greater. I remember burdens that. Greater. Yeah. Right. So the people get mad at Moses. Moses turns to God and said, what's this about? You sent me. It's like, it's almost like Moses says, I told you not to send me. I, this, <laughs> well, he didn't want to go. <laughs> this, this hasn't, this hasn't been fixed. And so here's what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter six and verse two, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So there's that place where he says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. It's all about the fact that he is going to bring them out. He's going to get them into the land. So there's there's a promise, right? There's this fact that he says, "I, I, I introduced myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know folks get all wrapped around the axle about this because in Genesis, the word Yahweh is used. He says, I didn't, I didn't introduce them to me as Yahweh. And I think a couple of possibilities on that are one, that when talking to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he never used Yahweh, but Moses, as he's writing for this people that know him as Yahweh, are, is using that. He does use Yahweh. So that, that's possibility. I think the other thing is, is that what he is pointing out is that he made this covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but sure. they did not see this true covenant faithfulness because they didn't get the promises. The yeah. promises were something, and Hebrews 11 is going to tell us this, Right, they saw the promises afar off. And so they they knew that mm-hmm. Yahweh was a promise giver and a promise keeper, but they didn't get to experience the right. promises. Right. And so they didn't know him as that faithful covenant Lord Yahweh, like Israel would come to know. And that's mm-hmm. that kind of ties into something we pointed out yesterday, that in this co- in the old covenant you were born into it and right. then introduced to Yahweh right. as the faithful covenant keeper. 
We hear about God's promises. We hear about them being fulfilled in Jesus. We know he is faithful to keep his promises because of that. And then we decide to enter the covenant. Yeah. And so there is that, that true knowing the Lord, which, which changes the nature of truly being his people. You know, you remind us there, and I think, well, well done, remind us there of some of the promises made to the forefathers and at that time with Moses, the, the patriarchs, and that emphasis upon the land and giving them the land, which we see God did. This is accomplished in the days of Joshua. Uh, he leads them and they, they take their promised land. But earlier in our reading, in the book of Hebrews, there was much made of the fact that that generation that was given that promise they actually did not enter. They didn't go in the, the rest. They didn't yeah, go in the right. land. You know, was another one. And and even the Hebrew writer builds upon that to say there is yet a rest. Mm-hmm. You know, we were trying to. And of course, the clock was against us a little bit too. But we were trying to list some of these promises of the new covenant yesterday. Mm-hmm. But one of those ones hanging out there is this great rest. You're going to have that in the new covenant. Yes. And we and Jesus, having died on the cross, having been resurrected as the blessing, we have that. That has already been done. Yeah. We know the Lord. We know the Lord in a way that the Israelites prior to Jesus did not know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and because of that, we can be the people of God in a way that even the Israelites could not be. They were not yet the purchased people of God. Mm. Had they been delivered from Egypt? Absolutely. But the sacrifice that needed to be offered in order to redeem them from their true slavery had not happened yet. Mm-hmm. We have, they were redeemed from Egypt. That was the, the physical shadow that points to a yeah. true heavenly reality of really being set free, mm-hmm. uh, which, which actually even gets us to some of the things that Jesus said uh, in John, where with John 8, 32, yeah, you shall it. know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the Jews in response back, what are you talking about? We're Jews. We're the children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved never to been anyone. Enslaved. And Jesus goes to point out to them, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I'm talking about the fact that you are slaves to sin. Yeah. We have been redeemed from that. It's not about being redeemed from Egypt or being redeemed from Rome or being redeemed from America. Or It's about being redeemed from sin, from Satan. And in that way, we have been purchased and bought in a way that Israel had not yet been been purchased and bought until Jesus came. Ah, that's so powerful, and it calls to mind uh, the end of Hebrews chapter 2, when it was talking about the death of Jesus, to break the power uh, of, of Satan, the power of all those who were fearing death, uh, because of Christ's powerful resurrection. Some of that work as our mediator and as our high priest of a new covenant. Yes. Uh, some of these things are going hand in hand. We spent some time talking about this new priesthood, the uh, priesthood of Melchizedek, And now we've got a new covenant uh, where there was a change of the priesthood, there was a change of the law, and the Hebrew writer telling us that these things we've been looking for, here they are. Enjoy them now. I appreciate what you said also uh, in, in talking about by virtue of being born into that family of Abraham or being a descendant. Well, of course I'm God's people. You know, I take a DNA test and I'm God's people. But now in this new covenant, the invitation is for all tribes, all nations, all tongues, all people to come to Christ, to have the forgiveness of sins, to have all of these promises in him. 
Probably, to me, the most confusing aspect in this Jeremiah passage is where it says that with this new covenant, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's a difficult thing to me. I think mm. some today would suggest, oh, see, that means this these writings we have in the New Testament, that's that's nothing. That's not God's law. That's not his will. That's not his pattern. He just He just writes it on my heart. So, why do you mean like direct revelation? Well, I don't mean that, but that is what some people mean by that. Well, it, it would seem to me that if you took that position, you'd you're already creating a contradiction with where this book started in Hebrews one verses one and two that Christ is the final mouthpiece, and He's not uh, revealing Himself in all these diverse ways and manners anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's what you just what you just hit on there. Okay. Is that this passage says he will write his laws in our hearts and minds, but he doesn't say how he will write them in our hearts and minds. No, he does not. It is an assumption to believe that having it written in our hearts and minds means I receive direct revelation. Okay. Okay. And what you've just pointed out is the whole book began with he used to talk to us through the prophets in various means and various ways, but now he's talking to us through his Son, mm-hmm. And so it is through the record of his son. It is through what his son has done. And in fact, we've, we've actually looked at that in previous weeks about how, how Jesus actually gave his message to, by the Holy Spirit, the apostles right. and the prophets. Yeah. And it has been written down. Mm-hmm. So the question is not, is it written on our hearts, but how? Well, it is written on our hearts because God, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, by these apostles and prophets, has recorded it. We read it. It enters our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. We accept it. And having accepted it, we enter his covenant. Mm -hmm. And then we grow in that. So the the idea about it being on our hearts and minds is not that uh, it's, it's not written down anywhere on paper. What it is, it's about the fact that as his people... He is impressing that on us. It does become what's in our hearts and mind as we grow closer and draw closer to him because we really are his people in a way that no one else has ever been able to be. Well, and the beauty of that heart and mind is then to remind us about spiritual realities where we are uniting and following the Lord. What a blessing to be offered his new covenant. Yes. In fact, we do want to invite everybody Everybody, this Sunday, we're going to be worshiping God. Go to christiansmeethere.org to get locations and times. We've got classes. But, uh, man, we're over time. This has been a tough week. Hebrews 8. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, that we can study your word and to spend some time thinking about this new covenant promised, prophesied by Jeremiah, but come to pass in Christ. Uh, it is it is the opportunity now that we might have the forgiveness of our sins, that we are invited by the gospel to be your covenant people and you be our God. And we want that. You are the true God and the living God. You never fail. You are our hope and so many wonderful and better things. We pray, Father, we might serve you this day and grow in faith, looking forward to the wonderful promises of being with you in heaven forever in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. 
You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.